<laughs> All right, let me tell you about <laughs> let me tell you about the um, the afternoon, or it's actually lunchtime when Lyndall phoned me, and she'd been uh, heavily pregnant, or she you know, at the time was heavily pregnant with Hamish, and she said, um, "I'm not feeling really good. We should go to the hospital." And I'm like, "Oh, does does that mean we we're, we're gonna have a baby?" Because uh, I thought she was joking, um, uh, partly in denial. Partly you're like, it was still a week or two early. It's like, oh, this isn't nice. So we're like, we went to the hospital and all the way there, I was convinced that we weren't gonna have the baby. So I was, I should have been expecting, right? Because we were expecting, but there was no expectation. It was like, we're just gonna get sent home. We probably even shouldn't bother coming all the way down here, bothering the doctors, using up the healthcare system, wasting our time. We should just stay at home until it becomes absolutely inevitable. And so we went in and they're like, oh, take a seat. And then they took us to the, the, the um, I should have been tipped off when they took us to the birthing suite, uh, sat down <laughs> and the doctor's like doing his thing and chatting to us. And he goes, okay, then I'll, um, I'll catch you later. And he walks out and goes, excuse me, are we going to have a baby today? And he looks at me like I was a complete idiot, right? And touche, because I was a complete idiot. He goes, oh yes, you will have a baby by the end of today. And it turns out two hours later, we had a baby. So it was right, I was glad we didn't go home and then have to come in. It was pretty important in that moment for us to be expectant. That's what I want to talk about today, expectancy. And I've titled my talk, I don't usually title my talks, but I've titled this one, How to Live Expectantly, right? How do we live expecting that God will do things, that God will actually answer our prayers, that God will inhabit us and cause us to do amazing things in His name, that God will stir circumstances to His favour. How do we we do that? And I want to use the story of Zechariah the priest, who you caught in the start of the video, and his wife Elizabeth, to explore this idea of expectation. It's in Luke 1. Um, and so to bring you up to speed, here's an overview of Luke 1. Zechariah serves as a priest in the temple. And on a day to day, on, um, and one day, um, on duty, the angel of the Lord, and the problem is we have a nice little view of an angel, right? But think of this, something otherworldly appears to Zechariah in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, the place where you never went. It was a special privilege. He's in the Holy of Holies. An angel appears to him that has never happened before and speaks to him and says, you're going to have a son. And he's like, you're crazy. Like we're way too old. And then he takes off. And um, and because uh, Zechariah upset him, this angel says just before he goes, he's like, oh, and you're silenced too, because that behavior, that's not on. No, you've got to trust me when I'm in the presence of God. I talk on God's behalf. No, you don't get to say anything for nine months. <laughs> See ya. And he takes off and Zechariah's like confused and pumped and kind of upset and silent. He can't say anything. So then just like, <laughs> you can't complain to anyone, can you? There you go. Um, and, and he goes off and nine months later, John the Baptist is born. Now, remember we're talking about expectancy. And, and a sermon like this usually goes, well, Zechariah went to the temple that day expectant of what God would do. He went expectant that, that his prayers would be answered for a son because they hadn't had one. And it was a disgrace in those days to get a son. And so he went with great expectancy. But here's the kicker. They weren't expecting anything from God. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they weren't expecting anything from from God, for God to do anything with them or through them or in them. That wasn't even on their agenda. Yet God 
uses them. And you may have heard sermons before, I have, where, where it's about living expectation. The greater your expectation, the greater the chances God will use you to do something, that God will answer your prayers, right? So we get pumped up on this idea of expectation. So all we're thinking about is expectation. And as I've thought about it, I've realised that God never sought out those who expected him to use them. He always sought out people that were like, never. it never dawned on them that God would use them. And when God does ask them to do something, what do they do? Run away or cower in fear, right? Which makes sense if God tells you to do something. He says, no, 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 you've got the wrong person. I wasn't even expecting this. I'm not even keen. I'm not even confident. And God's like, that's exactly who I need. Someone that has no confidence in themselves, so they have complete confidence in me. So he actually seeks out not those who are going, I expect God to use me, but those who are like, if God ever called me to do anything, I would, God better be with me in it and holding my hand through it. You see, when we live with expectation, it puts us in the centre, right? I expect God to use me and be expectant of my prayers. I am the centre and God's like, no, 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 that's my space. I want to be in the centre of everything. So our expectation that God would do something causes us to move into a position where God's not stoked that we're in that position. God wants us to be in a place where we're like cheering on what He is doing and joining with what God is doing. Um, but we somehow have the idea that if we expect God more and more to use us more and more, it's kind of like we're twisting God's arm. If I just expect God's I'm going to get God into this, this, this place where he actually fulfills this stuff. I really want him to fulfill. But think about it this way, right? God doesn't need his arm twisted. He is dying to use you. In fact, he died to use you. We don't have to live with any expectation. God's going to do his thing. He is so excited and keen to do it. It doesn't hinge on our expectation. It hinges on our devotion to Jesus, our love for Jesus, the closeness that we have to him, which is what Zechariah and Elizabeth knew. They weren't expecting God to use them or do anything for them. In fact, their entire life was about what they could do for God. And this story is one of the first of the New Testament. It comes after 400 years. Is there anyone here that's 400 years old that can tell us how long that is? It's a long time, right? I'm not looking at any, I've just looked down here. People get, people get a bit sensitive when I like raise age stuff, but we'll get to that in, in just a little bit. So 400 years of silence, and then of God not speaking, of no word from God, of no prophet, of no whisper, of no show of the Holy Spirit, of no nothing. And people were convinced it wasn't about what God can do for us, it's what we do for God. And so they kept worshipping, they kept bringing their sacrifices, they kept meeting and praying together, they kept being faithful. It didn't matter what God did that caused them to be faithful or not, they had made that decision to be faithful. And so they were invested in that for 400 years. They'd actually run out of expectation. It would have been the point of like, well, God hasn't done anything for 400 years, He's not exactly going to start today. Is he? They didn't think God would speak powerfully like he had previously in a burning bush or parting the seas. They, they didn't expect another prophet to come along. It hadn't happened for so long because of what they'd done to the previous prophets. Their expectation tank was empty. 
And here's the beauty of this. Maybe today your expectation tank is empty and you've been feeling guilty about it. Like, oh, I just wish I had more faith. I wish that I could believe that God would do that. I've been praying for this thing for so long that God's never going to do it. I feel terrible about that, right? Well, you guys are in the same place as Zechariah. It's great news. It's not dependent on our expectation. If your expectation tank is low, that is a good thing. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just listen to how the story unfolds. So let's talk a little bit about Zechariah. He was a priest in the temple and he was actually this day doing a once in a lifetime opportunity. He didn't do this every week. Nobody did this every week. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity. So what would happen is every week, one of the families um, from King David's line that's mentioned in Chronicles 24, there's a big long list. One of those families would be responsible for the, the work of the temple. So the priests would come in and they would be responsible for the work of the temple, but only one was selected to go into the Holy of Holies where they thought God's presence was. The Ark of the Covenant was there. The altar of incense was there. Only one priest was selected and they, they, they cast lots. So it's the equivalent of us pulling a name out of a hat. And Zachariah's name gets pulled out of the hat. And so he has this unbelievable opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies where the Jewish people went, that's where God physically is. That's where his presence is. Now, now, the Jewish people knew that no human flesh could endure the presence of the living God. That's why the angel turns up, because if God's presence had been there, the, 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 the human flesh could not endure the holiness of God. So, so what they would do is they, they'd tie a rope around the priests, a right, long rope, and then they'd put bells on their garments and they'd send them in. This is legit, right? So they'd send them in. So if the rope ever went slack, or the bells ever stopped ringing, they could at least rescue the body. And so they would pull the body out and give this person a burial. Because things might have gone wrong. They might not have prepared themselves. God might have had another plan that day. Things could have gone wrong. So, so this is what, um, what, what happens um, for Zechariah. In the Holy of Holies, he would go in and he would burn incense. And, and the burning of incense would, would create this smoke and the smoke would waft up um, to, to the heavens in a sense and it was considered to be the prayers of the people. So, so the priest, as he burnt this insect, incense, insect, <laughs> incense, was praying the prayer of the nation, right? Not his prayer, but the prayer of the nation. And the prayer of the nation was, send us the Messiah. Send, send us your, your son. Send our Redeemer and our Saviour, redeem Israel. So Zechariah gets his name pulled out and he ropes up and he bells up and he wanders in very holy-like into uh, the Holy of Holies, the first time he's ever seen the interior of it. And many of his, his um, colleagues would never ever get this privilege that he happened to have this day. Now what qualified you to be a priest was one, your birthright, but then it was such an honour that you, you responded with such laser-focused devotion to God. You truly loved God with every fibre of your being. So when we think about Zechariah, this is who we're thinking about. Your life revolved around worshipping God and honouring God and obeying God and loving God. And that was it for you. So Zechariah is fulfilling this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to enter the Holy of Holies. And he's doing pretty well. He's burning up some incense and it's all going really well. And then angel Gabriel turns up. Think of Angel Gabriel as like um, 
um, God's bodyguard. Not that God needs a bodyguard, but Gabriel was like, all right, I want you to tell this person this and make sure they're told. And so when Gabriel told you something, you were told, right? That's kind of the authority on, on Gabriel. So, so Luke 1 verse 11 says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So poosh, right there. I don't know if there was that noise when that happened. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear, as any of us would be. But the angel said to him, as every angel seems to do, don't be afraid. Great advice. Have you looked in the mirror? You're terrifying. Um, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, Zechariah was not praying for a son, right? He was praying the prayer of the people. He was praying for the redemption of of Israel and Gabriel turns up and promises him a son but that son was to be the forerunner of Jesus it was to be John the Baptist so in the promise of a son it wasn't just you get a son as a bonus for great prayer job he's like the Messiah is coming and the forerunner the introducer of this is John the Baptist and he he will be your child It wasn't Zechariah's expectation that made him the perfect recipient of God's plans. It was his devotion to God. See, regardless of reward, it made him the ideal channel to carry this amazing responsibility. You see, their lives were all about what they could do for God, not what God could do for them. So much so that they thought it was a practical joke. When the angel says, you're gonna have a son, you can imagine Zechariah going (coughs) And Gabriel goes on, says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready people prepared for the Lord. He is to prepare a way for Jesus to come. Wow! Right? Mind-blowing, jaw-dropping, and Zechariah says this. How can I be sure of this? That's his response, right? An angel turns up, says, all the things you've, you've hoped and yearned for, your people have for 400 years. And he goes, ah, where are the cameras? This is a setup. How can I be sure of this? And then he says, I am an old man, and my wife, and he's so tactful, because I reckon there's part of him that goes, yeah, I know this is going to be written down for forever. So how I handle this next statement really matters. He says, uh, my wife is well along in years. <laughs> so blokes, um, as the years tick by, use that. Don't say she's so old. She is well mature in years. And the angel Gabriel is a little bit ticked with this. He's a little bit, <laughs> what? huh? He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You're not getting this. And I have been sent to speak to you, to tell you this good news. And now, hmm, uh, let me see. Oh, now you will be silent. (laughs) Yeah, you should have believed me, right? You will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And you can imagine Zechariah at this point, like, Except it wouldn't be like that at all, would it? It'd be like this. Because he can't speak. And he wasn't 
expected even even after he's been told what's going to happen there was no expectation in him but there was an obedience there was a sense well God, whatever you make the call on we're just going to go with it he wasn't in it for what he could get from God but what he could give to God his devotion was weighted more toward God than his devotion was weighted toward himself See, when we devote ourselves to God, when our heart yearns to be close to Him, to know Him, to fall deeper in love with Him, God becomes free to bring heaven to earth through us. It's amazing. And there's nothing to do with our expectations. If your expectations have run low, it doesn't matter. It has everything to do with our devotion, our love for Jesus, the closeness that we yearn for. You see, God does not need you to be expectant of Him. When you said yes to following him, and maybe you haven't yet, but when you said yes to following him and trusting him, you agreed to be part of what he was going to do. It was like, yep, whatever you call it, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm up for that. So God's like, oh, you don't need to expect anything of me. I'm going to give you heaps to do. But what I do want is your devotion and your love and your affection and your friendship and your heart. That's what I want. To see God work more, we need to stop worshipping any idol of expectation. If you think, I'm just expecting for God to do this, just just put it to the side and start worshipping Jesus. It's Jesus who needs our worship, not the expectation that Jesus would do something. So last night, Lyndall made the brave choice to go out for dinner and leave me with the kids. Two kids, five and Three, yeah, man, they're confusing. Five and three, and Lyndall goes out. I'm like, all right, let's have some fun. And I did what every responsible father in the room would do. I suggested that we have a fire pit. Yeah, all the guys are like, you legend. All the ladies are like, <gasps> so we cranked it. We we decided to, to to fire up the fire pit. Now, needless to say, the kids were keen. They were more excited about that than anything else I reckon I could have suggested at the time. So we sorted out the fire, we had tea, I turn around and Zari is there with her gumboots on and in one packet, in one hand a packet of marshmallows and in the other hand a packet of chocolate biscuits. And she's like, I'm ready dad, let's go make some marshmallows. Because that's what you do on a fire, right, a fire pit. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like no, 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 not so fast. There is something more important that needs to happen around a fire than just marshmallows. And both my kids looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. What did he just say? It doesn't make any sense. There's nothing more important than marshmallows around a fire, Dad. <laughs> Dad's losing it. And so, um, so, so they became very confused very quickly. We went outside, we lit the fire, and I took them into my arms. It's really intimate moment. I took them into my arms and I put them on my, fat, my, on my lap and we're sitting there. Looking at the fire, I'm like, kids, when you look at that fire, what do you think? It's DM time, right? It's just like we're going deep. What do you think? And Hamish says, more wood. <laughs> and Zari goes, I want marshmallows. Killing me, kids, killing me. I said, oh, I'm winning. I said, I said, no, 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 no. Fire means you've got to share a story. You share a story when you're sitting around the campfire, and that's when Zari like pricks up and says, "Oh, yeah, yeah tell us a story." And I'm like, "Oh, I haven't thought of a story. You think of a story?" So I came up with a cracker. She even remembered it today. Well, she said she remembered it. Did she tell you what it was? It's probably good. Um, no. And so as I'm sitting there and I'm telling the story, and we're looking into this fire that was just 
It's just a little fire. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, to clean the veranda roof afterwards. Um, and, and, and I'm sitting there with Zari. She's snuggling in more and more to me. And she's just like, oh, this is so awesome. And Hamish is wanting to get more wood or anything he can find to throw on the fire. So it's just this beautiful moment of just like, loving my kids. And telling this, telling this story. And, and the significance of this message comes home to me as, as I'm in that space. See, as a dad, I'm always going to give the marshmallows when we sit around the fire, right? They don't have to ask. They don't have to expect. It's just I want to give them because that's what part of what you do in that relationship. I know it brings them joy. I know they love it. That's not what my heart yearned for to fulfill their expectations. What made it special was when they cuddle into me and I get to share a story that they can become part of and that they can be, be part of this story um, and they're drawn into it in this moment of intimacy. God wants to draw us into his story. But he can only do it when we're nestled in close, when we calm down, when we quieten all that stuff, when we lay aside all the things we expect and we want and we desire from God. But he wants to give us and we put that aside and say, God, I just want to be with you. See, Zechariah lived his life curled up in the lap of God, surrendered to the security and obedience and devotion. Now think about this. He gets this incredible news. Uh, he's an old, old man. His wife is well along in years. And they're about to have a baby. And he can't tell anyone. For, like, you know, when you're expecting a baby, you want to tell everyone. It's amazing. And he can't say a word to anyone. <laughs> Shouldn't have doubted Gabriel, Zechariah. Nine months, the baby's born. What do we call the baby? And all the family and friends and neighbours are like, you're going to call it Zechariah. Elizabeth's like, no, we're calling it John. And they're all like, that doesn't make any sense. Zechariah's going to have a say in this. And Zechariah's like, huh, I can't get this wrong. So he grabs out this, this board and he writes his name is John on it. And then he can speak. His tongue's loosened and he can speak. What does he say? What would you say? Nine months after that tangle with Gabriel in the Holy of Holies and you're pretty ticked. Pretty ticked. God, it's about time, God, maybe. It went something different to that. Verse 63 says, he asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, Zechariah wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was set free and he began to speak praising God. Huh. You, you only do that if that's what's in you. And for years and years and years, he just poured the devotion of God in. So whether he could speak or not, regardless of the circumstances, he just wanted his whole being to express toward God. You see, Zechariah was so secure in the intimacy and the closeness he found in God that his first words on his lips are praise. He is just overjoyed with what God has dared to do with him. See, Zechariah shows us it's not about what we get from God or what God does for us. It's about enjoying God forever. Now, incidentally, John, you know what John means? John means Yahweh, which was the, the Hebrew name for God. Yahweh is gracious. John means God is gracious. The implication of this is that God gives though he doesn't have to. 
And expectation is sort of like the other way of, oh God, please give me. And God's grace is like, I'll give you more than you can handle. And I'm going to keep giving it. You don't need to worry about that. But don't miss out on the relationship that we can have. It's, it's like me saying it a different way. God will give you all the marshmallows you can ever handle. He just wants you to snuggle into his lap and be drawn into his story. And so I thought, let's spend a few minutes of just being in that space now. And I'm just going to kind of lead us through with a prayer and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. But let's pray. Lord, we, we all sit here guilty of asking stuff from you and expecting stuff from you and, and all the rest of it while, whilst not drawing in close. And so we just pray you would forgive us. Forgive us when our, our mindset has been more what can we get rather than what we can give. When we've expected stuff instead of served you. when we've ran away or ran forward instead of jumping up on your lap and just sitting in your presence. And so Holy Spirit, meet us now right where we are. May we experience your closeness and your care and your love. May we see that we are a living, breathing part of your story as you tell it. May we become over, overwhelmed by your friendship. We just invite you to speak right now. Pray you take any guilt we feel having not been good enough or done enough or prayed enough or hoped enough or been expecting God, you would just take that from us. We would see so clearly it is a gift of relationship you have for us. Spirit fill us now as a body as people who are part of that body fill us to overflowing growing us in Zechariah's heart and devotion.
we ask these things in your powerful name. Amen.